This morning, what I'm going to do, there's really not a title that I have. The only thing I can share is just, I'm going to call it a flood of emotion. How many of you know that during the flood time that we saw a lot of different kinds of emotions take place and people go through different emotions in their life? And maybe you're here because you're dealing with an emotion in your life. Maybe you're dealing with pain. Maybe you're dealing with hurt. Maybe you're dealing with disappointment. And it's caused a lot of different things. And what I want to talk to you about really is about the health of your soul and what's going on inside of you. Because, you know, I know that many times there's indications that God uses, just an indicator, that God uses in our hearts that we begin to look and seek and define what, what our purpose and why we're here on this earth. It's kind of like this. It's like, you know, sometimes you don't know the purpose of, of that, that. We used to call them idiot lights in, in, our, in our cars. But that, 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 that light that, that detects it if your, your engine's too hot or not, not anything. And, and when it gets there and your engine blows up, people go, you were an idiot because you didn't look at that gauge. And so what I know that many times it's like that's how we are sometimes. We get to that gauge and we don't see the course where we're going and we, we end up in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a spiritual crash and we go, how did I get here? What happened? And so I want to talk to you about that. And there's a, there's a portion of Scripture in Psalms that David, and he begins to ask questions. Talk to yourself. How many of you go, I'm not answering anything you say? Okay, but here's the thing, for many of us, you know, so what I want to do is I want to talk to you about emotions, and it's in Psalms chapter 42, verse 5, and this is from the message, and listen to what it says, it says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? You ever cry the blues? Oh, me, oh, my. You know, emotions pass me by. But I want to believe this, whenever your heart gets messed up, it messes up everything. Even your emotions get caught up. You know, one of the emotions that I see a lot of times in people, even in my life at one moment, is, is the speaker going in and out? Okay, bring me the handheld. I'll, is, is, there, is, it, is there something I'm doing, Mark? What's that? Okay, he's going to try to fix it. But no one knows there's a sound man until something goes wrong. And so... Whenever your heart gets messed up, I believe that. It's one of the emotions is this. Is that any of you ever build, uh, deal with resentment or bitterness in your life? It's called, there's this emotion called unforgiveness. And see, I know this. How many, how many of some of you, it pollutes everything. And, it, and, it, and, and what happens, if someone mistreats you, you feel like, you know what? I'm not just going to get even. I'm going to get better than what they did to me. It's kind of like this. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping someone next to you dies of smoke inhalation. Or it's like drinking poison and you hoping the person, as you drank the poison, you hope the po- that, that it kills the person standing next to you. That's what unforgiveness does. It destroys us. And the Bible says in Hebrews, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And it says a bitter root. How does a root grow? Well, you nurture it. You water it. You, you t- pay attention to it. And I believe that sometimes we try to get out of unforgiveness in our lives. And what we do is we dig around the tree, but we never get to the root of the issue. And I know this. If you want to get really fruited in God, you need to get rooted in Him. You, get, you know, but what happens if there's things that need to come in our lives, we need to dig till we get to the root of the issue. And so this morning, bitterness 
is like, is like a root. The sooner you deal with it, the, the easier it is to get rid of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, nobody. Some of you have trouble in your life because you don't think, you, it's, it's, you, don't think you know, well, it's not really connected to my heart, Pastor Bubba. But, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Y'all heard what happened to Boudreaux the other day? Boudreaux was going in, his chest was sticking out, and Thibodeau goes, man, Boo, he goes, Tib, why, why, why is your chest sticking way out? He said, well, that's easy. He said, every time I go to the store, Gidry sees me, and every time Gidry sees me, he slaps me in the chest, and he breaks my cigars. So I put dynamite in my chest. So today, if he slaps me, I'm going to blow him up. But see, what happens is that that's what forg- unforgiveness does. We think that, you know, if we don't deal with things, and you know what, I, we go, well, I'm going I'm to hurt somebody else. We end up hurting ourselves. So what do you do? It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it always reminds, sometimes it's hard to forget. You can't forget when you've been hurt or someone's taking advantage of you. But, you know, it's kind of like, it's like a story I read about two boys that were playing ball one day and, and Johnny comes into the house and he runs and he goes, Mom, I've quit. I'm not playing with Bobby anymore. She says, well, well you know, he says, well, baby, what, what, what's going on? And she says, I'm just not playing with him anymore. The next morning he wakes up and he's running out and he goes, Hey, Mom, I'm going to play at Bobby's house. And she said, well, honey, I thought you and Bobby weren't friends anymore. That you weren't. He says, Mama. We're good forgetters. Listen, you can't always forget the pain or the hurt or things that happen. It could have been a emotional or physical or you were taken advantage of sexually. And there's a hard moment where you don't want to bring, you don't want to have forgiveness or somebody did something to you, said something to you. Be a generous, detailed forgetter. Do yourself a favor. Learn to forgive. We're going to talk about that in a minute, a little later. But I know this is that I, I've seen it. And the next thing is compassion. You know, or not compassion, comparison. How many of you know, how many of you know that a lot of people live by what people think they need to do? See, I've learned this. You're either going to do three things. You're going to live your life to please other people, please God, or please yourself. And so what happens is I see this generation, the millennium generation, I'm reading a book right now called How to Reach Millenniums. And what happens, and they're consumed with what people think about what they're doing. One of the most toxic things in culture is identity crisis. It's like, who am I? Where do I go? It's kind of like the Dr. Seuss book, Are You My Mother? I mean, you're asking, the bird's asking a bulldozer. You know, and it's like, what are, what are, you know, we're not getting our identity from what we're, who we're made from. You know, we, we, there's only one person we can get our identity from, and that's God himself. We're getting our identity. How many know that people are getting their identity by their Facebook posts? You know, there are endorphins in your brain. If you get so many, it's, it's like a drug. It's like an, the same endorphin that you get from, you know, doing different things. I don't know what drug you do. Maybe you're <laughs> that. I don't know. But, you know, it could be, but what happens is they say after a while you get so many endorphins, it creates almost like a high. You know, you go, so that's why you see people on their, uh, on their phones and going, hey, hey, hey. Oh, he's on 100 likes. But it, it's amazing that what happens is, is, 
in, in my generation, as you grew up, it was important what happened in your neighborhood. But now, what has happened with this generation, they've created their own set of friends through Facebook, their own community. And what they do, I've heard people getting talked out of get marrying someone because their community on Facebook said, no, the guy, you, you don't want him. You see, people don't, don't let culture define what love is and what sexuality looks like. You know, I mean, what are you looking, why are you looking in the wrong places? I mean, I heard that Kenny Rogers years ago when he had a, a facelift, what he did is he, he literally, he said, you know what? I, I wish I wouldn't have done it now because now I have to shave behind my neck because they pulled my beard so far back. And if you know anything about Cher, she, she don't even know what she really looks like after about 200 facelifts, tucks and pucks and whatever. And so we're looking for people like that to be able to give us identity. And see, James says it like this. How many of you know it might be good to look what the Bible has to say? But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. You know what? I'd encourage you. Maybe do a little social media fast for a little while and replace it with what God says instead of what people say. So we're dealing with that. And then here's another one that I know that no one ever deals with in here, and it's the emotion of anger. I can't believe you say that one. How many of you ever had been angry? How many of you have never been angry? You liar. Here's the thing. If you don't think people deal with this, just get on I-10. Or let LSU lose. Man, I had my friend last night, one of my good friends, he goes, Pastor Bubba, I can't believe. That's how he talks. I can't believe. We need to fire three people. We need to fire Les Miles, Cam Grumman, and we need to get rid of the quarterback. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, okay. Settle down. We, you know, it's like there's two kinds of angry people. There are the people that are like, how, how can I say it? They're, the, the, they're like the loud skunk. They go in a room and go, and they smell up the whole room with their anger. Then you have the quiet turtle. They're kind of like the people kind of go. It's just built up. See, the mindset of Americans, we're upset about everything. We're upset about the economy. We're upset about the government. We're upset about schools. We're upset about how marriages are going. We're upset about kids. If you leave that unchecked, it pollutes every part of your body and every part of your soul. I'm in the right church this morning. See, James, I'm trying. Thank you. James says it like this. James 4, 1 and 2. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Pastor Bubba, that's easy. They're sitting next to me. You'll get that one. It doesn't say that. It says, don't they come from desires that battle within? If I asked you, why are you so mad? You would say, well, it's because, someone, because of someone else. 
You know, I learned during the storm when we opened up a shelter there and we got a big warehouse in Jennings and I went to the owner and I, and I grabbed all, I, I got all the pastors in our region and in Jennings and Lake Arthur and all that area and we had a meeting. This is what we're going to do. We don't want to be just be our Savior's church thing, but we want to include everybody and got everybody on board and we were going to do it. And at the last minute, there was one pastor that wanted to do his own thing and we had set up everything for them. And I, can I be honest? I'm just going to confess. I got mad. I got fashed, Shad. I was so mad. I was like, man, we did all this, but he's a denominational guy. He had to do things for his denomination. And I understand he's accountable. He has to walk under authority and I understand all that. But see, it wasn't really the guy that I was mad at. You know what God was trying to do? There was a button inside of me that God was pushing. And see, I, you know, sometimes when we deal with anger, we like to identify it as a person that caused us to feel that emotion and that we're justified for the way we feel toward a person or we are justified for what we do because of what they did. Hello. And God was pushing my button in because, oh, it's not about him. It's you, Bubba. Because, like, you just add a D to anger, it means danger. And I remember I, we, we were having a staff meeting. With, I had the pastors, Pastor Jamie, Zach, and, and Josh. And I just, man, you know what? God's really convicted me. I've allowed this to really thing get to me. And would y'all ask me, would you just, I'm just going to confess my sin to you. Will you pray for me? Because I have to go to that pastor now. And I have to ask him to forgive me. How many of that, you know, that's fun. But what we had did as a church is we had we'd getting we'd given some gift certificates and I wrote a letter to all the pastors that helped. And even in, in this area, I wrote it and then in Eunice and we sent him a gift certificate. And he said, thank you for all that you've done in our in your in our community, that you love the community and the people. But don't forget about the greatest ministry that you have. And that's your wife. And we said, here's a gift to take your wife out while you've been ministering to others. Don't forget about the gift that stayed home, maybe. And allowed you to do this. So I gave him that, that letter. And he said, and I asked him to forgive me. And he gave me. He said, are you giving me this because you, you feel guilty about it? No. I did that for everybody. So I don't feel that special. But I've been knowing this guy for 25 years. And I just said, hey, man. I said, will you forgive me and pray for me? And he said, forgive me for the tone in which I talked to you. I said, I did. And I said, let's not let this thing get between us. And he prayed for me. Prayed, blessed him, and it was great. And so I feel better. I got that off my chest. But you know, for every one of us, there are emotions that we deal with. And some are come a little easier than others. You know, you know the common denominator has been in every fight that I've ever been in? You know what the common denominator is? Is I was there. <laughs> I was there. How many of you ever gotten mad and argued with your wife or your husband? Come on. I mean, you go, well, and you know, you don't want to just fight. You want to win. I must not be in the right church. Y'all need to pray for me. And but I've learned, you know, the hardest thing to do is go and say you're sorry and that you were wrong. And most of the time, I'm wrong. And my wife is right. Okay, I'm going to go on. 
See, you want something, to, you want something but you don't get it? That is, all, that is the root of everything that causes anger. You want something and you don't get it. That's what Scripture says in James. You know, it, it's kind of like a kid in Abbeville. I think it was about 15, 16, maybe longer than that, years ago. There was a kid in Abbeville, and he asked his parents for a car for graduation. They wouldn't give it to him. And they said, no, we're not getting you one. And so he murdered his parents. He went and murdered his parents. But what he did not know is this. The day after he killed his parents, his Corvette showed up at Service Chevrolet. Anger will make you go further than you ever thought you would go. It'll make you do things you never dreamed of doing. And it'll keep you longer than you really want to stay in that emotion. That's what anger does. See, when you use... You know, you, here's what the Bible says. It says, you kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and fight. When you use, you know, sometimes, let me just say, when, you use, when we use our words to let someone know that we're mad and, you know, uh, I can change, cha- and we think, well, I'm going to change my circumstances. But you know what? Unless you really walk under the guidance of God and ask for forgiveness, you may change your circumstances, but it never changes you. Because that emotion is still inside of you. You don't have it because you don't ask God. You see, did you ever know that your, your sick soul is not your, it's not your spouse? Or the guy you cut off on the highway? Or your boss? It's you. See, when you must deal with anger, don't nurse it. This is what I wrote after I found out about anger. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, Bubba... This is mine, all right? When you must deal with anger, don't nurse it. It means don't feed it. Don't rehearse it. Play it over in the reel of your mind. Don't converse about it. Tell other people to you so you feel justified. Don't disperse it. Instead, you must reverse it. You know why? See, forgiveness is this. It's the first step of reversing the rehearsing and nursing that, that emotion in your life. You see, we want to change the situation, but God wants to change us. We say, well, if I just change the situation, no, God's going, no, I don't want to change the situation. I want to change you. And the last emotion that I want to talk about this morning that no one deals with in this church is called worry. It has an eleva- elevated if you elevate worry, it, it, it just, it, you get related to its nearest cousin. That's called fear. See, worry is assuming a responsibility God never intended you to have. In other words, worry tries to change the past, control the future, and pollute you right now. Corey Tamboon, years ago, she was, she was a lady that was go around speaking all over, and she was persecuted uh, by the Germans in, in a concentration camp. She, they were Christians. They were just helping Jewish people flee. She, she wrote this quote. She said many times, she worried is an old man with a bented head carrying a load of feathers which he thinks are lead. See, the question is not whether you're a worrier, but what do you do when you worry? What do you do? I've seen people, f- you know, freak out. You know that song? I mean, they just freak out. Like something's just gonna, ah, this is gonna, well, we don't want the kids and my, and go, no, stop. 
Stop. I'm not one of those guys that walk around. I'm not a fearful person. I'm not a worrier kind of guy. But you know what? If you don't do the right thing when you worry, worry will pollute you and it will graduate to fear. Matthew says it like this. Matthew, can, can any one of you, by worrying, add one single hour to your life? You think everything is locked up into this life. See, if you have all your stock in this life, this place will mess you up. You got to let the poison out, the emotion. Let's look at this verse and then I'm going to go on and give you some solutions. I don't want to make all doomy. It says, says, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. See, there's a difference. There's what we call a healthy heart and a sick heart. And if you allow those kinds of emotions of unforgiveness and worry and fear grip your heart, it'll, cre- it'll create something, a cynicism, a criticism. It'll build a barrier between you and your closest relationships. And you don't want it, but you go, how do I get out of this trap? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And what happens is when you get caught in a trap, you go, how did I get here? How did this happen? Or so it's, it's kind of like having a sore and someone rubs it. If you have unforgiveness, someone touches you, you go, ow, that hurts. And they just keep rubbing it. You see, if your soul's poisoned, the impact that happened in everything in your life, the first thing you, we, you and I need in our lives are, are right relationships. What do you mean, Pastor? God's solution to the toxic soul was not just just you and God talk about it. But that's where, you know, that you gather together. Like we have life groups and you're going to be starting life groups. That you come to a place where you can start, you can get together with a community, a group of people and share your heart. You know, do you have do you have a place like that? Do you have people that you can share your heart with? You know, if if I get toxic and I'm feeling blown up, I'm going to blow up. I, I pick up my phone. I call my pastor, Pastor Jacob. I call Pastor Jim. Call Brother Keith that's been in my life. All these guys have been in my life, all my walk with God. And I can call them. And if I don't call them and my wife seems, sees that I'm getting toxic, she calls them for me. That's the last, no, don't call them. You know what I mean? I have people that are like tent pegs in my life. So when the winds of adversity and my emotions want to go this way or that way, I have people that can hold me down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And unless you have that in your life, you're going to be blown away by the emotions that you live by. And see, if I get toxic, where am I going to go? I have to look at it. Chances are your life is filled with people who don't love God and they don't love you. Because the Bible says this, if people love you, listen to me, Better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. You know what? I got a lot of people who want to kiss up. But you know when I find out I have real friends? Hey, man, you shouldn't be treating your wife that way. Why are you doing that? We need people in our lives that will tell us the truth. Come on. I don't want Facebook telling me how I should live or treat my wife. They don't know my wife. I mean, you know, you get on Facebook, you give your best looking pictures. 
They don't show you like, you know, let, let me show you my mom when she's frustrated. They don't show you all the stuff. They just, I mean, remember when you were dating? Come on, did any of y'all date? You were on your best behavior. When I do marriage counseling, you say, hey, you see the worst in them? Multiply that time 30 because that's the real them. I'll just say this. You know, the most important decision you make in your life is the people you choose to be around. Just is. I mean, show me your friends. Look at me. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Proverbs says it like this. Who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. That means they go to jail, or they might be upside down in a ditch. The second thing is, Get your God-defined identity. God made you, and He alone will help you understand who you are. You see, please don't listen to all your feelings, our culture, or Hollywood. They're messed up. Let God define who you are. If you're going around and looking at slate... Or looking at some of the other, uh, other articles talking about movie stars and all the things that they do and how they do things. Listen, I love looking at the, at the things that this is the real them. It shows them without makeup and how they hadn't been on their little movie yet. And they're like. And then you see some of the things they say and you go, man, people are living their lives by what Justin Bieber said. If you're a little high school girl, oh, Jackie. No, it's not so much anymore. I don't know who it is anymore. But I look at people and they go, the, the singers and stuff they say and the way they act and what they promote, and you just go, come on, man. You're not helping anybody. There's something built up in you that's unhealthy. And because you just, you're in that little emotional vein of your own life because you're wounded and hurt, you don't have any direction in your life because you're just going, wherever the wind blows, that's where I'm going. Instead of having someone tell them, you know, hey, bro, you keep living this way. This is the end. Galatians says this, and the message says, make a careful exploration of who you are. And work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Come on. Don't compare yourself with others. Part of the reason why our soul is so toxic is because we haven't let God define us and who we are. If you don't define if you don't define yourself, everyone else would love to define you. I've been I've been in ministry for 36 years. I've gone through those phases. I've tried to be TDJ. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Preach like him. Come on. Friday or something is coming. I've tried to be like R.W. Shamba. Don't you touch that dog. The Lord had a word for you. How about Joel Osteen? Hi. Me and Gloria. That don't work for me and Miss Tracy. I could be like Billy Graham. You in the balcony. Come. Come to the front. 
I tried that on my wife one night. Come on, come on, come on, baby. She's going to go, get T.D. Jakes out of here. God wants you to be you. Can I tell you the best Bubba McCann there is? Is me being myself. The best you is being you. Instead of trying to hide behind the, the faces or the mask of different emotions. And, you know, instead of, you know, it's like you can be good when Pastor Zach, you're driving up here and, you know, you're fighting. I can't believe you. Also, oh, there's Pastor Zach. Oh, hi, Zach. You can't hide those things. God sees everything. He sees the wounds. He sees the pain. He sees what only He can fix. If Jesus was a carpenter, He can fix anything. See, like when I come here, I always, Zach made this, I think. It's nice. But to me, I mean, I'm from old school. This is a weenie pulpit. But he likes it. I like one of them big old T.D. Jake. We've got a big old table spread. No, I know. It leans every time, Amy. This is why everyone, that's why we have next steps. So you can find out and discover who you are. The path that God has for you. Look at me. I'm going to look at you right now. Most people are trying to find out who they are. And some people never find out their purpose their whole entire life. That's where the Bible the Bible is the greatest guide how to be the husband God wants you to be, to be the father, to be the mother, how to work your finances, that you don't work for money, but money works for you. Hello? We change our priorities. This next step, we, it's where we discover who we are, what our motivations are. I, I believe you'll have next step today. I'd encourage you, if you, you feel like God's calling you to be part of this church, you, you go to the next step after the service today. Just find out, discover who you are. This is the hardest one, but what would help you probably the most, and we don't like to talk about it anymore, especially in church circles, is called the crucified life. Let me explain what that really is. That means you start out every day finding the things that are not like God, and every day put them to death. In your life. Hello. How many of you got an attitude or two. That just might not be like God. You're going to pass your bubba. Please don't go there. How many of you know that we all got junk in the trunk. We all have attitudes that like to flare up. Come on. How many of you had an attitude. Please don't raise your hand. How many of you had an attitude before you came to church this morning. How many of you got, had a little emotional breakdown. Because your kids got under your skin. Come on, I'm trying. You know, resurrection power, we're fixing to bring you, take you out. We brought you into this world, we're going to take you out too. And we're going to pray for you too, because you're going to need to be resurrected. 
to Galatians, says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is what he says. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me. And this is what it says. And gave himself for me. For you. God loved us so much that he sent his son. And his son came to show his love towards us. When we wanted to live the way we wanted to live and do our own thing. God let you, loves you enough that he lets you do what you want. You know how close you are to God? As close as you want to be. People, and people try to go, well, it's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of religion. Listen, religion will not. Listen, religion. Can I just say something? I do not like religion. Because it's all about do's and don'ts. But I love a relationship that I get to love God. I get to know him. And he gets to know me. You see, dead people don't get angry. Or jealous. That means I got to spend time. Sometimes crucifying worry. Crucifying fear. Crucifying anger. Crucifying comparison. That means that I'm putting that thing. that It's my will being crossed by the will of God. My emotions being going. God here are my emotions. Here are my feelings toward this thing. I don't want to do what I'm feeling like I want to do. But I want. God I need you. If you don't have this next one, it's going to be very, it's, you're just going to go down. You can have health, you can have a, the camp you've always dreamed, everything is perfect, but you can't have everything. You can't put everything in your earth basket here on earth. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? The last one is this, you need to have an eternal perspective. I was part of the Grandma's Don't Give Up Club. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Pastor Josh is like that in Jennings. We both had grandmothers that prayed for us. My grandmother would call before there were cell phones. And she would call me. I don't know how she knew it, but I was walking into my apartment. And she'd ring, the phone would ring. And she said, boy. And this is what she used to say. This is how she used to say. The Holy Ghost woke me up. What have you been doing? Smoking my brains out and doing this and doing I remember she quotes scriptures. My God, boy, the Bible says, here's your scripture. God, you have not chosen me, but God's chosen you. You're going to go bear fruit and you're going to, you know, she just start preaching scriptures to me. And I'm like, golly, man, what's up with her? And then I remember when Pastor Jacob had a youth group before I was saved, they would go on the strip and witness to people. I thought they had my picture because my grandmother gave it to them and they were looking for me. Eternal perspective. When she, they pray. I had this week, I had a moment of eternal perspective. I have a guy in our Jennings campus. His name's Nick Chasson. His wife, Sarah. Their little boy is Jace. Three days ago, four days ago now, 
He was diagnosed with cancer. Started in his tongue, went to his jaw, had surgery, and went to his lung. Four days ago, I was sitting with him at the house. Nick, do you believe that God can heal you? And he's talking. And Sarah kind of, yeah, he believes that, Pastor. He's mumbling stuff. I said, but if God doesn't heal you on this earth, are you ready? Are you ready? Is your heart where it needs to be? Are you ready to meet, match the face behind the voice that's guided you and helped you? Because if you're not, I'm here. I want to pray with you. Is there anything I'm praying? He goes, and he said, no, Pastor Bubba. I'm ready. Two days ago, he passed into attorney at 33 years old. And I'm like, when I left the house after I prayed for him that day, I cried. Why? Because cancer had taken just the way he looked and everything. And I, I've dealt with cancer in my life for, for five years. I've been a year and a half in remission. So it, it kind of moved my emotions. And Pastor Josh was telling me, you know, she came by the, the office the other day. And, and they were talking, her little boy was like, well, Mom, who's going to be my daddy? Because she lost her mom in March, which her... Her daddy lost his wife, and now he lost his son-in-law. And she, he said, Mama, can Papa be my daddy? And she said, Baby, Papa can't be your daddy, but he can do things your daddy would have done. Pastor Josh said, well, Is she going to be? She goes, Where are you going to be Sunday? She goes, Pastor Josh, I'm going to be at church Sunday. God, I have spiritual family there. That's where I find, you know what, I have family there. My little boy's going there. And I showed my little girl, Olivia, who's 11, that teaches in, in the rainforest and all the other kids' things. She helps. And she goes, Daddy, I know him. He's sweet. You know what, Sarah's like, like she's like been awesome. She's been ministering to her daddy, ministering to her son. You know Why? Because she had eternal, eternal perspective. She loved God. Nick loved God. I do the funeral tomorrow. So guess what? When I look at that coffin, that was his earth suit. He ain't in that no more. Hello, are you with me? No matter what he fought, no matter what he went through, that fight's over. He's, he has eternal perspective. He sees Jesus now. And see, the, the Bible says in Colossians, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on these on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Thank God for heaven. Thank God for heaven. Psalm says it like this. This is, I'm going to end it. It's how I started it. But I left out a line, what David said. That's what he says. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix your eyes on God. Soon, 
I'll be praising Him again. You know what I've learned? Emotions are like the waves of the ocean. They come and they go out. They come. But if I fix my eyes on Him, the maker of me, that knows me. The Bible says that He knows the hairs you have on your head. If you're follically challenged, He knows how many you have left. He said his thoughts towards you are like the grains of sand. That he looks at that. And his thoughts towards you are like those sands. Like the sand. And it's not how he's getting back at you. How much he cares. How much he loves. I've learned this. If emotions come and go. The Bible says this. God remains the same. Today, yesterday, and guess what, guys? Today. The Bible says this, that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. So in God's heart, if Jesus died 2,000 years ago, it's still fresh. Are you hearing me? Times like this. I just want to say this, Crowley. God loves you.